He literally just ran straight over Tony Underwood. Here it is for Johnny. Has he done it? He sure has. Drop goal to Blanco. Up it goes. Could you believe it? And that surely is the stairway to rugby heaven. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to Hit 12 of the Fox Sports Rugby World Cup podcast and we have got some pep in our step. We are skipping our way around the offices here at Fox Sports HQ and to help us wrap up the Wallabies monumental win against Wales to secure top spot in Pool A. We have Gunn. Foxsports.com.au journos, Christy Doran and Sam Worthington. How's about the Wallabies? Let's get it rocking and let's get it rolling. What about that performance? Wasn't it just brilliant? Courageous, entertaining. Michael Checker's men have uh, really kind of, I think, shocked a lot of people. Uh, gallant in defence and what a performance it was. I was in the office with live blogging the game with Sam just across the uh, desk from me and it was brilliant, jumping out of our seat well and truly. And, and I know Sam being a Kiwi, probably a little bit quieter. Uh, but what, what a performance it was, Sam. Oh, you had to enjoy that, didn't you? Didn't matter what uh, team you support. But uh, yeah, I can confirm Christy was there in the Wallabies jersey, uh, fist pumping and, and hollering. And yeah, completely warranted after yeah one of the more courageous performances you'll see in, in any sport, really. Um, yeah, quite tremendous. And, and they're counting the injury toll a little bit now, but they won't care about that because um, they've shown that they can, can win in multiple ways now, whether that's, uh, you know, strong attack or, or brilliant defence. Um, yeah, what about you, Sean? Where did you watch the watch the game? Well, look, I tried. Um, there were some issues in my end, I've got to say. I missed large parts of the first half <laughs> after falling asleep on the couch. I'd been at the races all day. I got through Scotland-Samoa, no. and I missed bits and pieces of the uh, of the Wallabies-Wales game. But Is that un-Australian? I think no, that's un-Australian no, in, in the business. No, it's not. <laughs> I was flying the flag for Australia at the races, let me tell you. Um it was, uh, it was epic, and I've obviously watched Paint the replays countless times since, and I have never seen a team at an international level, I can't recall a team defending like that for such long periods of time. Possession, they were outweighed, I think, around 60 to 40. A territory, I think, 63, 37, something similar to. The Wallabies forced to make 145 tackles total, missing only nine, which are good numbers. If you can stay below double digits uh, on any front in any game, you're doing well in terms of missed tackles. They kept it to nine across that match. Extraordinary. Yeah, I think Kane Douglas topped the tackle count for the Wallabies with 15 or 16. Scott Fardy not too far behind, but uh, somehow they decided that uh, little Welsh halfback Gareth Davis was the man of the match in another quite extraordinary uh, decision. How do you feel about that, Christy? To be fair, though, <laughs> Davis played extremely well. I, I thought he... Did he win? He, he probed the line. Did no, he win? No, no, he certainly did. You can't defend this one. Were you one of the ones voting for Davis? Did he make 15 tackles? <laughs> Oh, look, he'll be disappointed that, that Wales didn't get over the line. But uh, we all know that, that the, the, uh, the Twitter sphere world out there makes those decisions. In Australia, half of them, including yourself, Sean, he's sleeping. So, obviously, mm. no Australian support. To, we can blame uh, the horse races by the sound of it. What, what, <laughs> what races was it? It was, uh, I think it was Spring Stakes Day at Randwick. I don't know what it, the actual official title there was. The big races were down in Caulfield at the weekend. Any so wins, Sean? A couple of wins. Few losses, few losses, a couple and a few. But um, why are we why are we letting the Twitter sphere decide man of the match titles in World Cup games? I mean, if you can walk away and tell your kids in years to come that you're the man of the match in a World Cup game, that's something to be proud of. Why are we letting 
social media decide? Look, look, I think more than anything, it's embarrassing for the player itself to pick up the, the Man of the Match award. Uh, but I, th I don't know if any of the Australians would be too disappointed. It's a team performance. and uh Yeah, the players wouldn't care, would they? It's something more for the fans, but yeah, you're quite right. The other thing that bugs me with it is how they feel they have to decide the Man of the Match about 10 minutes before the game's finished. I mean, it's ridiculous. Someone could theoretically score a hat-trick in the last... 10 minutes and win the game and uh, miss out on the award. So, yeah, yeah, the Wallabies won't uh, give a stuff about it, but it is uh, embarrassing, I think, for the, the Rugby World Cup organisers and uh, let, let's hope it doesn't happen again. Well, going forward, it's really important that when we get to the finals stages, if it is a close game, well, you, you'd really hope and expect that the man of the match to come from the winning side particularly if it's a Southern Hemisphere side up against a Northern Hemisphere team. The so same thing actually happened uh, four years ago in the final with Terry Dusatois winning man of the match, but at least he had played, in it. I think he made 37 tackles. So, um, yeah, that wasn't quite so bad that time, but uh, yeah, it should obviously go to the winning team 99% um, of the time. I think. Hang on a second. Are you telling me that if you're Bernard Foley, if you score 28 points in a game in your most complete performance ever, that you wouldn't crack it a little bit, that you weren't given the man of the match? Well, I'm sure he would have liked it as a little cherry on top, but it was a pretty big cake already that he'd uh, that he'd built. Oh, he's got his team he through to the he's got his team through to the quarterfinals. But what do you think? Do you think uh, it's going to be keeping Bernard up at night? He won't care, surely. No, but it, it'll give you the it'll give you the shits. Yeah, they'll just be laughing about it uh, behind the scenes. I'm sure they. Sure. He might miss out on a little. Uh, I don't know. What do you win? A sure. watch? A watch or a, a CD voucher or something? I'm not sure what the, <laughs> the prize is. Is that it? A CD DVD? Is it an it iTunes might, account? It might hurt <laughs> uh, Bernard's gift card. Yeah, it might hurt his uh, music library a little bit. But other than that, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he'll mind. Um, while we're just talking about things that might be going wrong on social media, um, opening that up to the public to decide man of the match, I've got a boner pick with Fox Sports News, who ran a poll yesterday saying, great that the Wallabies won, but was that game boring? Yeah, ah. I saw that. It did uh, attract a bit of flack, that. Um, but yeah, you, you're certainly not a sports fan or particularly not a rugby fan if you uh, if you found that boring. Um, like That is the knock that you get, obviously, if there's no tries, you know, similar to in football, if there's no goals, you can't have a good game. But I think that Australia-Wales game proved that uh, while tries are nice, you can equally have a brilliant game um, without it without any uh, being scored. So, yeah, the, I hope... I'm not sure what the result of that poll was. Did you see the results? Well, that was the thing. Every, every reply to the tweet I saw said... Uh, no, with a little bit of juice thrown in, a little bit of sugar on top, suggesting this was probably not the best poll to be running. Um, but then there was a little infographic. What do you guys call it? Yeah, infographic. Yep. Infographic was posted later saying she was all square. 50 to 51 to 49 or similar to. Well, that really is un-Australian. There's a lot of un-Australian stuff going on this morning. Yeah, well, really? you, you really can't believe that. And I think <laughs> what it proves is that you just can't please everyone in the world. And uh, I'm going to go into your Fox Sports News newsroom and start demanding to know who. You're going to start cracking some skulls. I'm gonna, well, I won't crack skulls. I'll smack bottoms. I can I'll see some suspects I'm just peering out the uh, through the glass here, and I can see a couple of suspects. So is that uh, right? I might give you a tip-off, and we could have some fireworks in the office. My goodness me. Anyway, <laughs> we all, we, the three of us, agree, like most people, like people who know rugby, like people who know Australia, like people who know sport would recognise that as one of the gutsiest wins. Who cares that there was no tries in the game? It was a Wallabies win and they did it the toughest way possible. Totally agree. And, and personally, I, I was just so pumped to see the scrum again fire 
and and if you can't get up over that and think that's exciting, well then that's it's quite a strange thing, I would think. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? You know, the Wallabies scrum is now being feared around the world, and 12 months ago it was you know the the big problem again at Twickenham after they got got their noses rubbed in it. So um, Mario Ledesma, if he keeps this up, he he could be a. You still have knighthoods in Australia. Is he going to Sir Mario? What do you reckon? He can have one. That Super Mario, good. Sir Mario. That'll yeah. work. Both of those will work. Uh, just quickly to give you guys some idea of how um, jacked up they were to the Fox Sports team over on the ground at Twickenham. Uh, Clark, he did a terrific job calling the game. He was just right into it. So too, Tim Horan and sideline, as always, was Rod Kafer. And I've just got a note through from Swaney, Andrew Swain, who produces Rugby HQ, and he's floor managing at Twickenham. He sits sideline uh, next to the tunnel on the halfway line. That's his spot. Hmm. He's, got the, he's got his name there now at Twickenham. Wow. Swainy's seat. Um, he he posies up alongside Kafe, and apparently Kafe was so emotional post game that he approached Nathan Gray, the Wallabies' defensive coach, to give him a give him a bit of a pat on the back and and say well done. And Kafe couldn't get the words out. Wow, he was so emotional. And Kafe can talk. Yeah, that's. Uh, have you seen that before? Does he does he get emotional? Like no, that? that's the thing. He's he's meant to be the analyst, isn't he? The he's steady, the cool the cool headed analyst. As she goes, so mate. That's, that's how special steady it was. As he goes. Former teammates, ninety nine nine World Cup winners. A lot of emotions showed and shared. I think it's great to see. Yeah, and yeah, this this we're talking about the assistant coaches now, and it's a huge I think part of the success that the Wallabies are having that that all these assistant coaches that Michael Check has brought in together, um, Nathan Gray, Stephen Larkin, Mario Ledesma, and even Chris Malone, the the kicking coach, you can see their fingerprints on all aspects of the game. You know, as, as, as much you know credit as Michael Check is getting, and deservedly so. Um, that support staff's crucial, isn't it? We've seen it with the All Blacks, where they have very experienced uh, coaches in the support staff, and yeah, the, the, they're all obviously having a huge impact on, on this team. You're 100% right, and even just before the Bledisloe game, the first one back in Sydney in August, George Gregan was popping up at training, another 1989 World Cup winner, captain, 140-odd tests, 139 tests, I think. So certainly, Czech is one of his greatest strengths is knowing who he needs to bring in, who he needs to the bit of assist there, and... Uh, well, they look good. They look very good, the Wallabies. I think we can say without any debate that of the f- top-tier teams or the teams that now remain, they are the form team at the minute, the Wallabies. Yeah, although it'll be a funny one to review for the team, won't it? Because in a lot of ways, they didn't play that well. You know, Wales had the advantage in a lot of the collision areas. Um, at the breakdown, they managed to negate David Pocock quite well. So when they review that game, I'm sure there'll be tons of things to improve on. But what it has shown is that, you know, they turned on a bit of the style to beat England, um, got, got the backs humming. This game was completely different. Wales, you know, had the ascendancy and, and they just had to absorb so much pressure. And you, you go, part, go back into past World Cups, teams need to win in, in multiple ways don't they because each game unfolds a different way with different you know flows of the game so yeah that, that's, that's what it's showing I think Michael Checker quietly will be absolutely chuffed with uh, just just with the passion and, and, and the spirit that he's managed to build. Yeah you're certainly right there was a lot of positives to draw out of that and what, what I was actually really quite pleased to see with uh, in terms of talking about winning in, in different ways Bernard Foley once again I thought he had a very good game defensively it was superb couple of try saving tackles probably none bigger than on George North in about the 60th minute of the game when he chopped North when he tried to cut in inside him and chopped his knees down. Benny McCowman off the bench there does it superbly well to hold him up with Scott Sears' assistance. So it was nice to be able to see Foley's defensive game 
really step up. I thought also he, he, he took the line on. He obviously didn't have the same influence and attack that he did against England. But once again, it was a composed performance. Goal-kicking-wise, he only missed the one in the second half. But spot on, five from six. I thought Ben uh, uh, McMahon, Sean McMahon, a, another very energetic, strong performance in the first half. And when he got substituted in that second half after about 50 minutes and Benny McCowman came on, I thought, look, interesting interesting call that. McMahon really was working his game uh, into that game nicely. But McCowman, like, superb performance. And if Pocock does miss that game against Scotland, well, then we certainly, with Hooper coming back into that side, have enough strength and depth in that back row to cover Pocock's performance. potential absence. Yeah, they're showing that the, the depth certainly is there in the squad and the bench had a, a big impact again. So, yeah, and just a massive um, result in terms of what it means for the quarterfinals because it means they play Scotland instead of South Africa. Um, I, I know that they will probably back themselves to beat anyone at the moment, but South Africa, I think, uh, a serious threat at this tournament now after the, the Japanese uh, pants down. So, yeah, Scotland is going to be, let's face it, they'll, they'll put up a, a good fight, but um, there's just no way that Scotland are going to beat Australia. So, yeah, a, a huge, huge uh, result in terms of that importance. Shawnee, you said that you uh, caught the actual the Scotland game, the Samoan game. Uh, what did you think of the, the Scottish players? I was more disappointed throughout that game that Samoa hadn't played with that same um, pace and energy and all the things we love about Samoan rugby for the duration of the tournament because they were superb and unlucky in the end to go down against Scotland. They gifted a couple of tries and I think Scotland were lucky to get out of uh, out of that one with a win. What we're going to see is Japan are on track right this moment to beat the USA and they're going to finish with three wins in their pool and mm. not progress to the quarterfinals. The first team actually ever to win three pool games right. and, and not progress to the quarterfinals. That's so a bit nuts. of history. Yeah. That's nuts. I feel so sorry for the Japanese. Um, Scotland, you're right. I don't think... Um, I can't see Australia falling to them. And we obviously go through that good side of the draw. Back to that initial question. Give us your <laughs> other form team outside of Australia, Sammy. Uh, uh, done now. Yeah, I guess you probably have to go... Ireland and Argentina are actually the two teams that will now square off. They're both tracking quite nicely, aren't they? Ireland have had a horrific uh, injury toll this morning, which we'll talk about shortly. But, uh, yeah, to put away France um, a, a bit shorthanded, that's an impressive performance. And, and Argentina, um, they lost to the All Blacks, but, yeah, really rolled through the rest of the pool very, very easily. So, yeah, I think both of those teams are yeah pretty much in form. Yeah, I agree. I think Argentina with Hernandez there. When you've got that guy who's been at three World Cups now, he's a quality player, either at 10, 12, and he can play at fullback. So he he allows the Argentine side uh, to, to build confidence. Um, but to me, uh, South Africa, I've backed them at the start of the World Cup um, to go, to progress a long way. They they didn't have a, a good rugby championship, let, let's face it, but they were right in that match against the Wallabies back in July, only lost because of Kiradrani's try at the end. They pushed the All Blacks right until the depth. Um, so a couple of losses, but, but really that just kind of masked, actually, the, the building of that team. 
Hey, you've drawn uh, New Zealand in the office sweepstake, though. You, you need to get that All Black cat on and start cheering for them because there's a lot of money at stake if, uh, if the All Blacks get up. What was your... You guys work at the uh, in the Fox Sports digital team. You'd be, what, three, four hundred bucks buying for a sweep ticket there? Oh, it's huge. We're all on massive salaries, as you know. And, yes, uh, yeah, yeah the, I do know. We'll be buying uh, flash new cars. You'll see Christy in a, in a, <laughs> a new Peugeot, I'd say, after the, after the All Blacks the, get up. What's the buy-in on the sweepstakes? <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was pretty <laughs> modest, to be fair, $10. So. Okay. We're going to run one up in the... Fox Sports Rugby Department, I'm going to demand it be around a pineapple per entry because I yeah. want to see the look on someone's face when they draw Scotland. I've drawn <laughs> Scotland. That's all I've got. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's one of those ones because we've got obviously a little prize for the uh, the worst team, which I think ended up being maybe Namibia, was it? I'm not, no, Georgia. Yeah, in I'm terms not... of points differential. But uh, yeah, Scotland's one of those teams. They're not going to win the tournament. They're not going to come last. They're just going to be in between. Look, both of you two gentlemen have just kind of ruled Scotland out to an extent against the Wallabies. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. You, you draw on recent history, and they've actually won two of their last three games against the Australians, um, albeit they've only won two of the last about 20 games. But a lot of those players are, are in fact, going to be playing next Monday morning, our time, against the Australians, the likes of Laidlaw. Um, Hang on a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> Two of those three wins, one of those wins was in a cyclone in, in Newcastle, Newcastle where Australia what had a game rested that was. a number of players. The lowest game of rugby I think I've nearly ever seen. Uh, and actually the second lowest game of rugby was that other loss when Gitz missed the shot at conversion to win it at the death at Murrayfield. Um, no. No. <laughs> Look. It, is, it is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, two of the last three. I don't think many people would, would realise that. Um, so that's why you listen to the podcast. You learn some real great facts. <laughs> but, yeah, despite that, um, and I think actually Michael Checker will use that probably as, as good motivation. He'll say, hang on, guys, you haven't achieved anything and then you've actually lost two of the last three games against these blokes. But, yeah, just on form and, and you go through the the way the teams have been, been tracking, uh, I find it nigh on impossible to see the Scots pulling it off at the World Cup. You certainly realise it's going to be a difficult challenge, but I think uh, you're right. Checker will certainly kind of really make sure that these guys aren't complacent throughout the week, that the training intensity remains high because it would be easy to, to, to drop those standards after two extraordinarily difficult pool games where they've kind of just... They've known all along that Wales, England, you can't look past that because if you do, you're not going to get throughout the tournament. So... A difficult assignment, although they, they, they certainly should win. But a couple of injury concerns over players as well. Who knows if they're going to be right to play. Uh, and, and I think we saw just enough from, from some of Scotland's key players to, to suggest that, they, look, they might pose one or two problems, particularly Laidlaw, the, the captain there, their scrum half, who's often sniping around the breakdown and he's a very competent goal kicker too. So... Australia will have to watch their discipline. All right, okay. All right, let's get on to the other big game from the weekend, which was played out early. First thing this morning, France v Ireland. You guys were up watching this. What was your take on that match? Yeah, really good competitive match. Um, we spoke about how you can have good games without a lot of tries. There was only one try scored in this game. But, yeah, while, while it wasn't two tries, sorry, you're quite right. Christie's just raised his uh, finger. Forgot about little Connor Murray. Sorry, sorry, Connor. 
Um, but yeah, it was uh, a really good competitive game. It was hard to call sort of at half time because France were hanging right in there. I think it was 9 6 to. To Ireland, uh, Thierry Doucetois was getting in there and getting uh, a couple of uh, a couple of pilfers at the breakdown. So, yeah, it was uh, a fairly absorbing game, and, and Ireland were just they, they were the walking wounded. Um, we've seen Wales lose a lot of players in this tournament. They lost Paul O'Connell, their their talisman, the the captain. He had a, a nasty hamstring um, tear by the looks of it. He was stretched off, so there was pretty emotional scenes there. Johnny Sexton's left with a little adductor injury after getting uh, smashed in a big tackle, and then. Uh, uh, Omani, who was uh, having a very strong game, the, the blindside flank, he got stretched off as well. So there was, yeah, there was uh, real uh, war zone scenes um, at, at Millennium Stadium. But the Irish dug deep, and, and the replacements that came on um, did a very good job. Madigan, um, not not a great haircut, Madigan, but he did okay and, and kicked a few goals and got them over the line. Um, and, and yeah, so they're just a very well coached team, Ireland. I think um, they, they all seem to to be playing to the same game plan and, and yeah I think even with their depleted squad now they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the quarterfinals yeah, I was a bit disappointed by the French though they, they hide, hardly fired a shot there I think where's the French flair gone it was all just yeah, yeah. Fafana was really the only one the inside centre of the French team to actually kind of press the line to make a half a half break and and look uh, Freddie Michelac the 5-8 the, the veteran 5-8 as well just was hardly sighted. He went missing, didn't he? Yeah, didn't really see much of him, did we? Which is extraordinary for a fly half. But for whatever reason, he just didn't get in the game. Um, I think he missed a kick at goal early on. And he's a bit of a confidence player, isn't he, Mishlak? He can look a million bucks or he can, he can yeah, look like a bit of a, a club footballer. So, um, yeah, as an All Blacks fan, though, I'm still a bit terrified because they, they looked average uh, today. But we, as we know, uh, they, they've managed to to go to sort of a rabid um, extra level against the All Blacks, so I'm not counting my chicken. So France, if they had have won that game this morning, they would have been taking on Argentina, right? Mm -hmm. That would have been their crossover. France's record against Argentina ain't so good in World Cups. Conversely, their record against the All Blacks is quite exceptional. I reckon they walk off that pitch this morning and go, eh. Did they, <laughs> they just go, eh, no problem, eh? You reckon they threw the game? Take, no, take the easy option no, against New Zealand? No, no, but what I am saying is they would have just thought, hey, it's no dramas. Yeah, Argentina's no uh, pushover on the other side of the draw. And, yeah, I guess France now will go away and, you know, everyone will write them off and they'll, they'll do whatever French people do to inspire themselves. But just when they face that haka, you can see it in their eyes. They... they draw on something deep within the, the French psyche. They, they go back to ancient times with Napoleon or, or something goes on and they uh, they, they can occasionally play uh, like man-possessed. So, yeah, it's um, it's a fascinating draw. I think the only the only quarter-final that you can call with confidence is, is Wallabies, uh, Scotland. The other ones uh, are pretty competitive, though. I think South Africa will take care of, of Wales as well. OK. Is that how you see it playing yeah, out? Yeah, I certainly All do. right, I'm going to go you both uh, coffee on this. I'm going to take Wales to beat South Africa. Yeah? Yeah. Can't see it. Just can't see it. What what uh, gives you that confidence? Because Wales are a more cohesive outfit, irrespective of all their uh, their injuries. I think uh, at this point in time, Gatlin's probably a, a more in-tune coach than Meyer. Uh, and we saw South Africa embarrassed by Japan and then roll through against uh, a lesser run of teams. I think that Wales have done it the tough way, and I reckon that's hardened them for this game and this quarter-final knockout. I think Wales are unlucky not to go all, nearly all the way to the final in 2011, 
And I reckon this time around, despite all the injuries, I mean, they are a good team. Yeah, it'll be a good game. That's our first quarter final. that will get the ball rolling. But I think just South Africa, Andre Pollard's looking pretty good at fly half. I'm a big, big fan of him. Uh, the young locks as well, Itzaba and uh, Lou De Yaga. He's got a he's a real baby faced uh, assassin, isn't he? The, the the big young locks. So yeah, I like those two players. And yeah, I just think South Africa. They're playing a little bit angry, I think, after that loss. And in Wales, they seemed a bit deflated after losing to Australia. That, yeah, I think that might have been might have been them shot mentally because they they've been through a lot with all the injuries. They they obviously had this huge high of beating England. I just after that Wallabies game, they they looked uh, pretty dejected. So yeah, South Africa for me. You got to remember as well the support the Welsh are going to get though. Yeah. Hey, yep. let's not forget the support the Welsh are going to get. Yeah, there's only f- so much so far the singing can get them, though. Yeah, Wales and Wales and Ireland, they haven't, they haven't made a World Cup final we'll either the, of those we'll things. Take so. the, we'll take the bookies' odds on this, right? Yep. Um, you guys are going to give me the bookies' odds, which I'll get. As you chat, I'll dig them up, and then I'm going to wager a couple of coffees in terms of the bookies' odds against you guys. Yeah, I think you're a bit pessimistic about uh, Wales's chances there, Sammy. I think they're extremely well coached. You're right there, Sean. Uh, they certainly have a set plan about what they're, how they're going to win their games and picking a couple of big centres against Australia, you certainly knew what they were going to do. I think they, England, the week before, they thought they knew what they were going to do, uh, but, but they didn't play that to their plan, whereas you saw North, you saw Roberts hit the advantage line on the fringes, you saw their back row completely take Pocock really out of the game except for one huge turnover that he did in the second half. So I think they will uh, certainly cause a few headaches for the South Africans. It'll be interesting to see if Victor Matfield, their veteran lock, is up for the game. Had an injury earlier in the tournament, so I'm not sure if he's going to be right for it, but he'd be a big inclusion, I think, with all of his experience that he can draw upon. They couldn't even score against 13 Australians, Wales. How are they going to beat South Africa? That's embarrassing. They're going to review the tape. 13 Australians and they couldn't score one try. There'll be, there'll be one or two changes in that back line, albeit. I think you might see someone like uh, Morgan come into the centres or potentially the other one go back to full back they've got James Hook there as well so look they still have a, a bit of depth in that back line but they did lose Liam Williams to an injury and I think he'll be out uh, already they've probably ruled him out of that game alright just, just before we move on and wrap up the pool stages and wrap up this podcast the line on that game is Wales have an eight and a half start so you're going to give me that eight and a half start and we're going to go for a coffee Yep, yep. High stakes. You've shouted me a coffee this morning, so I feel like I'm in a, okay. a no-lose situation here. Right, Let, let's do it. Do it two, then. Put two on it. <laughs> Should be double. Double or nothing. Double, double shots. Double, 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 double everything. All right, uh, let's wrap up the pool. Zero done and dusted. All the minnows have packed their bags, their kit bags. They're done for the tournament. It's all wrapped up. Give me your um, your star of the Tier 2 teams. Uh, look, I'll probably go with, uh, we're talking teams or players here? No, both. we know that the team's going to be Japan and Georgia. They're obviously yep. the pick of the Mino teams. Or that your player? I'll go with uh, Japan's number eight then, uh, Mafi. He's, um, I think, Tongan, um, Tongan born, Tongan extraction. But uh, yeah, he, he just really caught my eye with his in- inspiring running. He was just, he was injured in, in one of those games, uh, Scotland I think it was, like severely injured. He just kept getting up off the turf and, and running through Scots, it was inspiring stuff. So, uh, Murphy for me. Yeah, I think the Georgian number eight as well, keeping the trend to the back of the scrum there. there uh, Gorgonzola. Yeah, exactly. Um, quality player. And uh, we saw when he got sin-binned in the second game there, I think it was against Argentina, 
after then, uh, the Georgians capitulated. They led in about three tries in seven minutes, and that just proves how much of an influence he is to that Georgian pack. What about you, Shawnee? Japan. Japan again. Hang on, uh, what about the big cat? The big cat, Callum yeah. Furcue from yeah. Romania. He was good. Uh, he was my player to watch pre-tournament, post. You've gone off the big cat. I'm off the big cat. A man I'm now on board with is Ayumu Goromaru yeah. from Japan, who was a 15 and a superstar throughout the tournament, making try-saving tackles, kicking goals left and right. He was sensational for the Brave Blossoms. Yeah, I hope we see him in Super Rugby next year. Yeah. They still haven't sorted out their team, have they? But yeah, guys like Goromaru and, and Mafia, it'd be great to see them every week in Super Rugby because they're, they're serious talents and exciting players to watch. He was uh, a superstar, no doubt about that, Goromaru. All right, that's the pool stage is done and dusted. We've got the whole week to preview our four quarterfinals and what a big week it's going to be too. going to let you two back on the PCs and the laptops to keep banging out your articles because it's going to be a lot coming through from the UK. We'll be back in the podcast chair, ready to get all up in your ears again on Wednesday. Wednesday's the plan, I reckon. I reckon we might give our, our friend Dave Dennis a call, um, get him off the beach or wherever he is and get him back in here. Give Dave Dennis a call and uh, get him ready to pull the trigger on Australia v Scotland. That's a big one. That's one we're all looking forward to from an Aussie perspective. Right now, though, it's back to the desks here at Fox Sports HQ. On behalf of Christy Doran and Sam Worthington, it's Sean Maloney saying goodbye. And don't forget, you can listen to our podcast via SoundCloud and also on the Apple iTunes store as well.